0: Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with actress Ashling O'Sullivan and writer and director Carmel Winters. In this podcast, Aisling talks about the tidal wave of meaning in Tom Murphy's The Wake, the forensic foundation of animal commons production and balancing that beautiful tension that enables flight. All of life and death and laughter lives in this podcast. They talk of the world through the prism of their friendship and their work on the award-winning film Snap, written and directed by Carmel and starring Ashling. They talk about the blissful giggles of Ashling's first audience, of blackbirds singing in the dead of night,
1: of diabolical landlords, and the secret life of creativity. Enjoy this podcast. So now, I suppose we should talk about this acting business. I suppose I'd be interested to know why you think you came to acting. Have you any clues as to what? Since you don't. Ah, uh, yeah, acting? I do.
0: I do. I have. Um, mm. you know, have the story that I remember uh, the. Mm. Conscious story of how everything fell into place. My my father was a big influence, and my mother was a big influence. So, my father was the uh, m- number one, my mother has an infectious laugh. So, I can remember, I suppose, the first impulse really was to make her laugh. Mm. And uh, that, so there'd be a lot of. <laughs> Skits going on in the kitchen just to make her laugh, yeah, and then my father was a um primary school teacher principal, and he um when I got into his classroom uh fifth and sixth class, I would have been i suppose eight nine or ten he at the end of every week he'd give us all an hour or something to go off, to split up into groups of five and go off and make a little play around what we had learned during the weekend. And mm-hmm. um, I just felt
1: completely alive. He, he actually taught you. He taught me, yeah. Uh, so uh, you would be making a play with your classmates. Yeah. In the knowledge you'd perform it for your father. Yeah. Imagine that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So they were your first audience, your parents? They were my first audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And my brother. Mm-hmm. We would um, try and make each other laugh too. I, I I think it was built around laughter really because mm-hmm. I remember getting the giggles, like, mm-hmm. you know, those blissful giggles Yeah. that you get when you're not supposed
1: to be giggling or something.
0: Yeah. So the more serious you'd try and be, the more hilarious it it would be. It become more.
1: Yeah, and what if they didn't laugh, or were you so busy laughing that it didn't matter if your audience laughed or not?
0: Hmm. I don't remember them not laughing. I don't remember that feeling of shame mm-hmm. around it. It was always an infectious hilarity.
1: And then what between that and then like what we saw the other night when it's on a stage as big as this um, when you think back to that as the first impulse and where you are now how much of that very happy impulse has survived the professionalisation we'll say of acting
0: Um, I don't know if the impulse was um, happy originally Mm. I think it was connection or something or a mad um, release or something some um, sharing that was outside of Words or something, you know, that when you're having when you're laughing and somebody else is laughing too, and you're egg, you're just building the laughter. Uh, I um yeah, that's so. I feel that that's still the impulse to connect in that way is still the driving force.
1: Yeah, is um, the connection between you and the other actors, um, as live in that as a connection between you and the audience? The connection
0: between um, I don't know, I think the ideally the connection is through the the other actors and then I know it's connecting to the audience. If it becomes connecting to the audience without the other actors, there's uh something is not working mm
1: mm-hmm. well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like the other night, um at the play, I, I felt uh, a level of thrill and excitement and exhilaration and I was thinking about it, I was thinking, Okay I like that response that I suppose I'd hope for in theatre, but it wouldn't always it wouldn't always happen. And it would rarely happen at the level it happened the other night where I was watching And feeling, um, nearly an ecstasy that something that wouldn't normally be in the public domain was in the public domain, and that we were sharing it, and that uh, you, you particularly, but inside in this incredible team, this incredible team together, but particularly you as Vera, were share was you were sharing something that usually is hidden, you know, an interiority, an interior you know a world that um wouldn't normally be be made public mm. and that was absolutely exhilarating and kind of uh, it would would restore my faith both in theater and then theater being the little life. <laughs> The big life would restore my faith, and uh I was wondering um to get to that place of sharing you know the the that the obvious word that would be used I've already heard people call it fearless, what well, do you think of that word fearless around the performance that you are have built and and now are sharing in the play hm um Mm. mm. I
0: don't know. Um I I I've been a bit surprised by the reaction to it number 1 because there was a lot of fear for me in it in in the night you saw it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of trying to negotiate fear and soften and thaw and um touch base with the 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 deep or things that feed create creativity I suppose Mm. so there was a a lot of work in that for me I don't like saying that because that's Mm. not fearless Um, Mm -hmm. and I I don't think I am fearless as an actor I Mm. think I can be courageous because I can feel a lot of fear and I'm I don't run I don't I, I stand you know I could I like I'd, I'd take the hit or whatever mm-hmm. and there have been plenty of hits but f- I think that with this play what's happened was the um, just the writing of Tom Murphy is like it's like um, something it's like nature comes mm-hmm. nature is in it the majesty of it and the awe of nature and the um, things he writes underneath the words, the flows and the tides and the pulls. He's, it's like a big, one of my favourite words and it's, I'd use it about Tom is Leviathan. It's a Leviathan of the deep underneath the um, The play. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all following um, his his mind and his soul and his feelings and his love and his grief and anger and all of that. But on the other side then the tension was maintained by Annabelle because she's so forensic. Mm -hmm. So Tom is so wild and searching and Annabelle is the same but in a much more forensic way so there was was this kind of Really beautiful tension between the two mm-hmm. of the big creatives mm-hmm. um and in the middle of it, trying to interpret both of them mm-hmm. and place myself in it was the was just really I f- it was just wonderful experience
1: yeah it's interesting to hear because watching um your performance, I was Aware that um, really special conditions must have prevailed to bring it about. Yeah. That you can't create something wonderful without the right conditions. No. And um, I could see the structure, the discipline and structure. Yes. And then the freedom. Yes, absolutely. And the transcendence from st- structure and discipline, but structure and discipline operating. Yes like a foundation, so yeah I mean, when you read the script um, did you know it before you read it when no, they sent I, you the I, script? No, I didn't And What was your first impression when you re- just read the script? I, I sat down
0: to read it and I read, I think the first few few scenes in and then I just thought, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. It, I, I thought it was the most fantastic uh thing I'd, I'd read in a long time in terms of a female uh, what she was experiencing and what she was trying to come back to and let go of and you know
1: what I was saying about life and I just. And then on the other side of it then when it um, came to working with Annabelle, um, I was guessing that there was a level of trust there you know that the I would be guessing that there was a level of trust that would allow you to go so far, you know, in in to go so far, but with such integrity. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit, whether it's particularly or more general, about working with directors, and what you feel supports you as an actor, and what you feel is of less use to you as an actor in that relationship with a director. I I don't
0: again I don't know. I um respond I'm an interpreter. That's my main job or role or um mm-hmm. position. So I kind of like being open cuz I go it's a fresh mind, um fresh pair of eyes and they're going to take me somewhere where I can't I wouldn't go with only my own mind and imagination and stuff so I kind of stay as open as I can Mm -hmm. and um, it's difficult anyway because you're trying to you have to maintain your boundary around the character to um, breathe life into her or him at the end when you stand on stage but uh, I feel that sometimes resistance is the way forward and Um, releases a character and sometimes being totally open and going with the vision is the way for it it depends on the character but Mm -hmm. I have found mostly that the projects pull the people that are meant to be working on them so the people that are there together are Mm -hmm. there to work on this piece for whatever reason it is Mm-hmm. does that make sense?
1: It does yeah well it certainly makes sense with the other night where you really do feel there's you know it's a charmed production that the right people all came together and that the sum was great the whole was greater than the sum of its parts that everyone suddenly becomes capable of doing something great you know that that, um, or perhaps even, even greater than what they would have been capable of under other conditions that yes yes I do the co-creation the co-creation yes, the co-creation, yes. Um, when, it, when it works well other times I mean have you experienced where you've been in something with great hope and aspiration and willingness and you thought that didn't work afterwards you went oh it didn't work has that happened um I don't know
0: if I look at things like that. I don't know if I um experience things like that. Mm. I know when I have failed and it's a horrible feeling mm-hmm. that you, you reach for something and you fail or you're misunderstood or like
1: um How how do you know you failed? Like what tells you if you have failed?
0: Um I don't know I suppose critics I'd be you know I'd be can be lashed um, and because you I, I, I believe that um, um, just because you're lashed and criticized by someone doesn't mean you can't learn from them like some of the best pa- signposts I've gotten from people have been critics or something I've read that has just um, been hard to read.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, don't you think the critic can fail as well?
0: I am as I'm mature I'm beginning to realize that as I'm mm-hmm. mature but I think when I was younger and possibly you know younger actors and actresses I I like being an actress um, mm-hmm. uh, would be vulnerable to that and feel that there is um some intellectual superiority going on or there's some weight um behind people's judgment of you that's correct, mm-hmm. more correct than your own um, experience. There's inner critics as well. Yeah. I, you, yeah. I would be crit- a critical of myself and critical of other people, not just in the arts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a judgmental thing or whatever that I um, I don't like. Mm-hmm. And so it's a consciously trying to mm-hmm. um, reduce the effect of that because it's um, it's.
1: Um, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a lie. Do you want to just kind of maybe explain to me a little bit more how it's a lie? Um, that's a hard
0: question. Now, it, it, for me, I know Do what you, I mean. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you mean
1: that you can't rely on it? Is that the sense it, in which it's a lie? It's that it's
0: I c- you can be so completely wrong. That an experience of life will change completely and utterly your perspective on something you might have seen and and not, and just condemned, or your own prejudices or your own vulnerabilities, or can can filter your um, the way what you see of life. Or certainly with me, that I've been amazed as the years have gone by, how how the sight not you know just the visual side clears mm-hmm. how you start seeing things m- with
1: more beauty mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I remember um i remember um seeing a film at a film festival in ca- the kind of conditions that meant i failed to see the film and watching it again and being amazed at the beautiful kind of creature that i had failed to see yeah so you know i knew i went well Thankfully, I wasn't in a position to have shared that first perception, you know, because I would have I would have felt very bad about it afterwards if I had. Do you know what I mean? And mm. If I had been the reason why somebody wouldn't see it, you know, and and could have missed it, you know, so I'd be very aware of how uh, it, you know, that I'm by experience has made me and That's experience it. has given me ways of seeing and experience has given me ways, has sensitised me to certain things and desensitised me to others. That's it exactly yes. The other night now when you came, uh, when I felt uh, I could feel inside in the audience I was having my own response and I'm also influenced by everyone else's response but I think um, it was clear the work was really deeply received and And of what you were doing as Vera was deeply felt and received. You know, and uh, I mean, could you feel that? No. You couldn't?
0: Not until the end, no. You couldn't feel it? No, I couldn't feel it. Um, Not at all. Um, So Mm -hmm. that was a, a big surprise to me.
1: You mean the quirk and call when you yeah. a big exultant kind yeah, of Yeah, it was roar. a big, it was
0: like the sea. It yeah. was a big surprise. So, I mean, yeah. we worked very, very hard on this play because I think, um, well, I am, um, like, I'm in love with Tom Murphy. I love him. I'm frightened of him, but I love him. Um, I love Jane Brennan too, which is... <laughs> <laughs> his wife (laughs) (laughs) so uh, Mm. that makes it less complicated but um, so it is like being um, the concentration was on stepping up to his play Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was there was a great freedom in, in that because you're not trying to impose anything you know any big twirls or anything you're just simply trying to meet the play but there was a lot of fear that night I mean what what i do requires people to respond to us mostly positively or even negatively is fine as long as it's clean negative but sometimes if you feel that it's very hard to keep clean um the clean the space that needs to keep clean to keep connected to the work so on nights like the night you were there mm-hmm. um there were it, the concentration was on keeping that space clean
1: you're because we're um in front of microphones i think it's worth saying your hand when you say clean is moving from your heart <laughs> and is that what you mean like yes. the, the heart yeah keep, the, keep it keep it open and yeah keep yeah. it
0: connected keep it clean yeah. and keep it um um mm. emotional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and logical of course but yeah, yeah.
1: And um when you think about, you know, the work you've done in television and film mm-hmm. is that how is it the same process and journey essentially or does it, is your experience of it very different? it depends
0: on who you work with i think it depends on who you it can be um it can be j- just as um enriching as a piece like the wake um like we did a film together and i loved it i loved the mm. i loved the female gaze mm-hmm. um I loved being in a film number one with a very complicated character, and having you as a writer and director. The female gaze was very freeing because, um, I suppose, m- possibly as a hangover from being younger, mm-hmm. um, beauty seemed to be the, um, to me anyway, seems to be seemed to be the prerequisite to being a, a great film and television actress or. And, Mm -hmm. of course, that's like rubbish, but Mm -hmm. um, it seemed that way. It was a very tyranny of beauty.
1: So did you feel I looked at you differently as a woman than a man might? Um,
0: I I did, yeah, Mm -hmm. I did. I felt less, I felt, and that's possibly my own uh, prejudice inside of me. I felt less... uh, it didn't matter if I was ugly, if I showed ugliness. Mm-hmm. But that could have been the role as well, you know, but I don't know. Could have mm-hmm. been my own
1: prejudices. You know, when you embody a character, yeah, you say a way more than you could if you were to just describe her. Yes. So the, the, it's not as it's more than a statement. It's more than a description it is because it's alive it's available to many descriptions yes and even contradictory descriptions right gotcha yeah so the, the minute we move into describing the the terrible sinking feeling is that we've kind of reduced something instead of
0: i know but isn't it that life. the dilemma because you have to name a tree and you have to name a little bird and you have to name the flower and the minute you do it yeah that the magic is is gone or, or or reduced or something like that's the i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to um, we we sit, i sit, there was a little bird got into trouble um a couple of days ago in our house mm-hmm. and we there was i was walking to work and I heard this cacophony of birds and I was going, oh, this is beautiful, it's summertime and listen to the birds and aren't they amazing? And I looked over because I thought, actually there there they must be loads of birds because it's quite a loud noise and there was a blackbird trying to fend off a magpie from something that was on the ground hmm. so I ran, ran across the road and a cat appeared on the scene and uh, I got to the other side of the road and shooed away the cat and the magpie had disappeared and there was this little fledgling bird on the ground now he was big enough to be almost ready to fly but he was panting and looking around in kind of terror and I got uh, I got overwhelmed with shock that at being kind of I suppose so close to nature and the wild and life and death and Why should I interfere? And he's food for somebody. And so we picked him up. uh, We tried to make a little stretcher for him. (laughs) (laughs) We brought him back to the house. And we we, um, tried to... We put him into a little... um, made a little sort of safe space for him in this dark room and I have a cat in the house so you know my cat (laughs) was busy putting his napkin on and getting his knife and fork out and looking at me delighted with himself (laughs) and so we locked the door and um, I went in, I came in and I did the show, it was a preview and it it was like the show was like life and death for me because I didn't know if this little birdie was going to if, it was, if we had brought him home to die, or to, if he was going to survive. So all of those feelings fed the show, the, the wonder of nature, the awe of life and death and existence and something can be gone and be born and all of that stuff, and the wild. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, the show finished and I found out that the, the, the little birdie was very much alive and I got back to the house and we were trying to... W- I was instructed on my way home to look out for snails and worms and I thought, okay, hang on a minute now, <laughs> this is a step too far to try and feed this little bird to bring mm-hmm. him back to life um, or to keep him strong. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I, I got some cat food because apparently that's what you're supposed to do and a little, we had a little syringe um, in the house and. Uh, We tried to feed him to keep him alive, and he wouldn't eat anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I was in the arena of this show, of what this play says and examines, this little bird became a symbol of, for me, the play. And the the spirit of uh, this... What, it's try- what we were trying to create or mm-hmm. something. It didn't come consciously it was all subconscious. It's only afterwards I realised this. But um, is this boring? No I love it. Okay. I love, I'm dying to hear what happened. To okay the so, so after <laughs> my partner got me to get a YouTube video of birds chirping because, because whenever the birds chirped in the YouTube video, this little bird would chirp and open his mouth, and we might be able to shove some food down his little mouth, because he was going to die if we didn't feed him, if we couldn't mm-hmm. get food into him. So, we were both this poor bird. We were gently holding him, but we were we had all these bird sounds waiting for this bird to chirp, and it was probably the wrong thing to do because he might have felt um, scared. Uh, I don't know what kind of birds were were singing, but they could have been, you know, little bird eating birds. Um, but my uh, the gr- the grief I felt for this little creature that he we couldn't bridge the divide between us and him in the wild. Between we couldn't just speak to him or reassure him or tell him it was safe and that we were trying to save his life. Anyway, we it, we were all exhausted, so we went off to bed and. We closed the door on the little bird and he went off to sleep. He went off into a little dark corner. um, And we woke up in the morning to the strongest, loudest chirps. um, A hungry bird. (laughs) sort of, the two of us walked into the room. And again, we tried the feeding. Mm -hmm. um, And it didn't work. He wouldn't open his little beak or whatever. And we were really desperate now because I had to go into work. So had my partner and... Um, this little creature was going to die were we going to have to close the door and, and just let him die or were we just going to leave him outside and let him be killed by magpies because I know birds are very territorial mm-hmm. So uh,
1: event- he couldn't fly yet he, he couldn't, couldn't fly
0: yet he was yeah. on the cusp of flying Yeah. so I brought the bird in a little box up to the, the tree where we found him because I thought the, 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 the wisdom is bring the birdie back and his parents will come for him and mind him if mm-hmm. you don't do that he's in big trouble so i brought the bird back and um, we were th- the two of us went up there and we were looking at this sort of blackbird we didn't realize the little fledgling might have been a blackbird i googled it and he probably was mm-hmm. but this blackbird took a, a great interest in him mm-hmm. so we were there for about half an hour watching this little bird and if it, And he was chirping a lot. And eventually we had to go. We have to leave him now to give the bird a chance, if the parent is around, to give this bird a chance Mm -hmm. to feed this little birdie. Anyway, um, we went away and um, we went back to the house. And then Podic went off to work maybe half an hour later and he checked under the bush. And he said the birdie was there, very quiet, as if he'd been told not to say anything or make any noise. And his little face was staring up to the sky and the trees above him, just really quiet and just looking up and um, an hour later I went up because I would fallen asleep, I went up on my way into the abbey mm-hmm. and he was nowhere to be seen and um, there was no feathers around, there was no blood, there was no nothing so I just have to assume that he was, he flew, he was fed enough and he flew or whatever, But the awe of that um, drama and it was like the wild, the curtain of the wild opened up Hmm. and we had to step up into it Mm -hmm. and step back out of it again because the wild was going to go on Mm -hmm. with or without us and um, that has really fed this play for me that little um, incident, I suppose, why am I telling this story? I suppose it's because sometimes um, creativity isn't about just what happens in a room in a play that's written, it's about life all around and things that can't be expressed like the griefs or the shocks or the questions
1: or the prayers you can't say, you don't have words for. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels very familiar to me. What you've described feels familiar um, as the experience of um, trying to create but knowing that creation uh, is larger. Yes, <laughs> and that's that it. it's a hand in creation that you have, and yet it is so much larger than you, you know, so much larger. I mean, there is a but i think that's why what i think that's why the arts are really
0: important because they have they they I- the world is such a tumultuous place mm-hmm. that it is it is a place still where those that experience those experiences of life can be um
1: don't know what the word is. Well, the word you often use, you keep using over the years. I've known you. You, you used the word mystery a lot. Mystery, and you have great respect for mystery, and you have a, a kind of a a suspicion of trying to dispel mystery, yes. or somehow kind of lay mystery bare. Name it. Yeah, there's the word. You found the word. <laughs> And you can intervene. Yes. But and you have no idea what that intervention will be, whether you will add to its suffering. Yes. Or reduce it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Will you be part we'll of give life? give a chance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Part of life or part of death. We've
0: such limited time, and mm-hmm. we must live mm-hmm. when we get the opportunity. Those. Keep clean with those realities and the mystery the mystery of things and how things um how things happen or why they happen mm.
1: and the seasons well that's the thing you'll you'll know that you'll often when we talk on the phone you'll often find me in a field or something uh, or in the local graveyard <laughs> it, <laughs> that sounds dead. <desperate. laughs> With your shovel, you know that (laughs) graveyard, and you know how lovely it is. It's beautiful, yeah, but it sounds they can't see your
0: your face, (laughs) your lovely face. (laughs) Now you're a woman that you know goes into the graveyard with your shovel,
1: (laughs) bringing up the bodies. Yeah, well, it's so it's 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 a beautiful place to be. Mm. But it's a
0: it's an unusual graveyard, isn't it? It's it's a famine graveyard, is it? Is that the history of it? They've
1: been burying people in that graveyard since the ten hundreds so way before the famine goes way back
0: and there's one interesting very interesting grave there that's not tended
1: oh yeah the landlord with the diabolical record there's many uh, graves in there belonging to landlords because it's a kind of area where there would have been uh, a, you know a, a predominance of the landlord class but uh, most of them are are remem- well not most many of them are remembered with a degree of um Respect or tolerance, but one is uh, his grave is intended. It's it's isn't kind of intended. Yeah, very it's the one grave that will strained. not be intended. So it's you know, up to your shoulders in briars. But somebody must have made graves. a decision
0: not did. to do that. Who made that decision?
1: Well, it's now being handed on the decision because um, John, who looks after the graveyard, he just knows how to. Care for and play with nature um he he um he did want to tend the grave, you know it was just his impulse to to um create beauty where he can, and uh he was advised that if he wanted to keep his job, he would think twice why because i suppose i i can um only guess, but the obvious motivations would be. Let this stand as a testament to future generations, that your crimes will be remembered and that um, some actions are beyond forgiveness. And do you know anything about the landlord? I don't, only that the lore is that his level of cruelty and disregard for human uh, life was was extreme, was really extreme, that he was, he was absolutely c- cruel. Um, now I think that's changing because I did notice one day lately see eventually the tide kind of always turns at some point but uh, I did notice lately the grave right now looks like it hasn't been tended but lately someone went in there and they did do a little bit of work so you know maybe sometimes it becomes more important for us to forgive than not to forgive. Or perhaps it wasn't forgiveness at all. Maybe nature is just using time to heal. You know, so.
0: Mm. There's a scene in the wake um, around a grave. And um, it's an interesting. Moments, because it sort of um, examines or feels our need for our little bit of plot, or, or to be part of the earth. Or I suppose cremation is still your part. Your your ashes are scattered to have your space in in the in the world, like in, wh- what does that mean to, ha- like, w- you'll be long gone, but why is it so important to have your space or your place where you'll be scattered or mm-hmm. that belo- that need to belong, that belonging that's just primal.
1: I remember, was it, um, Brian Doherty's character, The Traveller, talking about, about the digging when they were digging a grave and being yes. told that's my land yeah that's my plot of land Digger up so Some- you don't even have a grave to bury your dead like that that even the grave is owned by someone like that was a very strong moment that that really resonated I think Tom Murphy said an awful lot in very few words with that one and it's the women at the end it's the two women and in, in mythological terms eh. Uh, and they're, you know, the whore and the crone. You know,
0: what did you think of that? The Tom writing a female character who was a prostitute, as a as a, a female writer yourself, how did you feel? He handled that. I mean, we shouldn't, because it's criticism. Yeah, no, but no, no. I, I know. It's I'm a interested. genuine.
1: It's a good question. Um. feel great in the company of people regardless of their gender who risk embracing something uh, large or I always feel very very energised and relieved ironically if someone will go where often people don't go Mm. so um, I wouldn't worry about the gender unless they give me reason to worry I wouldn't watch it, uh, worrying about that, until it becomes apparent to me that the gender caused them to fail with a character, which I didn't feel at all, Mm. at all, Um, with Vera. You know, she's been reared by her granny mainly. I loved that. I I loved that experience. Like, where I grew up in rural Ireland, I knew a lot of children, in some cases, claimed by grandmothers, Grandparents, um, and in other cases, farmed out to them, in you know, for in maybe questionable reasons. Like in the play, wondering, well, did the grandmother claim out a lover? Did the family um, farm them out in order to keep a, you know, to stake a claim for the property of the grandparents? I mean, sometimes both. Mm. And I knew people who'd. I knew one little boy who had a large family of siblings. And he was being raised by very old grandparents. Now, some are full of life, others less so. But he was definitely being reared. When you would meet him, I met him before I met his grandparents. And I went, he's really old. He's only five, but he's ancient. (laughs) He was absolutely ancient. He'd picked up their pace, the kind of static. He just didn't move much inside his body. And I remember thinking... What's it like for him? Um, if we about his his family lived about five miles up the road, only mm-hmm. five miles, and they saw him about once a fortnight. I wondered how. I think he'll be just living that reality for a while, and at some stage he'll also look at it as a story. He'll have he'll have the story of because once your first story is your story of yourself. Once you have passed to an age of self consciousness. Yes. Then inevitably you'll have a story about yourself. And already I was wondering, wow, I mean, first of all the kind of the condition of his life, but then the story he'll have of it. I did think it was a massive decision to take a, a child away from their siblings. That's in the it's all over the, the wake as well. Yes, yeah. Move a child from their siblings, that's that's a big decision. Um, though all of us fantasised about that precise reality in your family oh yeah the notion of being taken out of being one of lots to be (laughs) the one (laughs) that was a populist fantasy (laughs) yeah but that is I do remember like and then ironically I sort of the writer in me creates the condition of being the only child (laughs) Which is why... What does that mean? You know, you're alone. It's a very... Oh, I see. You know, and there's no bypassing. I know a writer recently who's been busy doing a lot of devising, and I go, there's a point at which if he wants to really create the play, he has to accept being alone again. And I know well by him, he just doesn't want to be alone. He doesn't want to be alone.